0: We have started this uh, chronological sermon series through the life of Christ, and we spent several weeks on the birth of Jesus. Two weeks ago, we talked about an event that happened when he was 12 years old. He went to Jerusalem with his family, with his mom and dad, and uh, the Passover feast was going on, and you remember they were there for several days, and then Mary and Joseph left to go back home to their Nazareth town, and Jesus was left behind. And for three days, he was in the temple uh, listening to the teachers, and and of course, Joseph and Mary were just beside themselves wondering where Jesus was, and they went back into Jerusalem. And on that third day, they found Jesus there, and they brought him back to their Nazareth home. And and there's just one verse that kind of epitomizes the childhood of Jesus. It says that he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And that's really all we know about Jesus with his childhood. And there's 18 years of silence from that 12th year in his life where that event is recorded for us in scripture to today's passage of scripture where he is baptized by John the Baptist. He's 30 years old. We're going to pick up reading verse 13 and read through verse 17. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I I want to ask you, why do you think in verse 14 that John tried to convince Jesus that he didn't need to be baptized? He, in fact, said, I need for you to baptize me rather than for me to baptize you. Somebody might answer that question in this way. Well, apparently John recognized Jesus as the Messiah. As though there were some mark upon him or a heavenly halo about him. And and from that, John could see that that he was the Messiah. But what I read in the Gospel of John, chapter 1... That really wasn't the case at all. In fact, John 1, verse 33, John the Baptist said, And I did not recognize him. But he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And so from that passage... And what John had to say there, I take it that John did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah until after his baptism when the Holy Spirit had come down out of heaven like a dove. And so again, I ask you, why would John have tried to prevent Jesus from being baptized? I have a hunch as to what the answer is to that question. John and Jesus were well acquainted with each other remember, they were, in fact, related with each other. Luke chapter 1, verse 36, says that Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, were related to each other. And so that would have made John and Jesus related to each other. It's very likely that these boys played together as little fellas, as they were growing up, they're just six months apart. And I'm imagining in my mind that as as special days came along and through the course of the year, that these two families got together and Jesus and John enjoyed those times together as well. And I'm thinking that as John is around Jesus, he observes a person that is unlike anyone else that he has ever been around. He observes somebody who is completely honest and completely selfless. He observes someone who is always kind and always thoughtful. He had noticed that, that as he's been around Jesus, he always obeyed his mother and father. And he never fought with his brothers and sisters. And as these two got older together, uh, he observed a young man who was totally devoted to God and someone who kept the law and he loved people. Not once did John the Baptist ever see a flaw in the life of Jesus. And so, when Jesus came to be baptized by John, to me, it's not surprising at all that this would be his response. He is speaking from personal experience, personal knowledge of Jesus, and he says to Jesus, I have need of you baptizing me rather than me baptizing you. And So let's answer this question. Why was Jesus baptized? I I think... This is, a, this is an important sermon for us to grab hold of and the meaning of it. And, and now most of us here on a day like this would probably already be baptized in our, our personal life. And yet it's important that we understand why Jesus was baptized, and we be able to communicate that with other people as we are talking to others about their need for Christ. We need to understand the importance of baptism, and, and we need to communicate that with people, but particularly to understand why Jesus was baptized. First reason, by his own admission, it was to fulfill all righteousness. Was Jesus lacking in righteousness? No. He was perfect. He was without sin. He didn't have sin in his life that he needed to be baptized and have those sins to to be forgiven. And yet, this was the Father's plan for him to be baptized. And he needed to do that to fulfill all righteousness. He needed to be baptized to stay in tune with the Father's will. Let me ask you this question. If it was the Father's will for Jesus to be baptized, would it not also be the Father's will for each of us to be baptized too? I think surely it would be, and the Scriptures give us evidence to that over and over again. It is the Lord's will for His followers to be baptized, and we, unlike Jesus, have sin in our heart that needs washed away, and so why wouldn't we want to be cleaned up? You know, if I come into the house after working in the garden and my hands are dirty and, and I'm sweaty, and I'm, the first thing I'm wanting to do is to get cleaned up. I want to take a bath and, and to be all cleaned up. Why wouldn't we have that same sense of urgency about wanting to be cleaned up spiritually? Our sin has stained our hearts and we need our hearts cleaned up. Let me read to you some verses that have to do with with our need to be baptized. These, These are verses that give us instruction... About baptism, Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen and 20. And this is, of course, the great commission that Jesus gave to his disciples. He said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." And you see from that particular passage that baptism is a part of God's plan for those who would be following him. But no, it's not just baptism that is a part of God's plan. We are to be his disciples... His followers, we are to have a personal commitment to the lordship of Jesus in our life. And then once we are baptized, we are to know the the commandments that are given to us and we are to live those commandments out. We are to obey them. All of this is a part of God's plan For our life. Mark's version of the great commission. Reads just a little bit differently. Mark chapter 16 verses 15 and 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Again, baptism is a part of God's plan for those who would follow him. You see that in the book of Acts. As the New Testament church begins, Acts chapter 2, Peter has preached a sermon on the day of Pentecost, and and people there who were hearing him preach, they were convicted over their sins, and they said, what shall we do? And verse 38 of chapter 2 says, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The scriptures are very clear God's plan for each of us who would follow Jesus would be that we would be baptized. And you see that throughout the book of Acts. Every conversion that takes place, you see people being baptized into Jesus. Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch was baptized. Acts chapter 9, Saul was baptized. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius was baptized. Lydia in Acts 16 was baptized. And at the tail end of that chapter, the Philippian jailer and his entire household were baptized into Jesus. Please hear me say this. It is God's plan for all of us to be baptized. Now most of us here today have have made that choice in our life already. But I would imagine there, there are some who are here among us today who have not made that decision in their life. And if you are one of those people, you should make that decision because that is what the Scripture says. Let me give to you a second reason Jesus was baptized. He was setting an example for us. And again, if this was a good thing for Jesus to do, why wouldn't we do that as well? Why wouldn't we be baptized in the same manner that Jesus was baptized? Jesus was baptized by immersion. That was the mode that John the Baptist was using as he baptized people in the Jordan River. He was immersing them into the, into the water. He wasn't sprinkling a little bit of water over their head. He wasn't pouring water over their head. He was fully immersing them in the water. In fact, that's what the word baptize means. It means to dip, to plunge, to immerse. It's the same word that was used in in the days of Jesus that if a ship was sunk at sea, it was common to be said, the ship was baptized. The ship was immersed. It's the same word, ladies, if you were going to plunge a garment into the water for the purpose of changing its color. You would immerse that garment. You would baptize that garment fully so that the whole garment could have the dye's effect. And so too, John immersed people fully into the water With the meaning of that word in mind, the terminology that the New Testament writers used makes sense. Mark writes this in in his account of Jesus' baptism, chapter 1 and verse 10. And immediately, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening. It's a picture of one who has been lowered down into the water and then one who is coming up out of the water. If Jesus was baptized by immersion, then that's the form of baptism that we should submit to as well. Now, sometimes there is a controversy over this. But I don't know why there is that controversy. Sprinkling as a form of baptism wasn't started until a couple of hundred years after Jesus was gone from this earth. Why wouldn't we want to be baptized the way Jesus was baptized and the way the New Testament teaches? He was baptized as an example for us to follow. Let me give to you a third reason why Jesus was baptized. His baptism was a time of confirmation as to who Jesus was. And you say, confirmation from who? confirmation from God. Do you remember the text that I started out with this morning in my preaching? John chapter 1, verse 33. John the Baptist was saying to those who had come to him, and I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And that is exactly what John saw. He saw the Spirit of God descending upon Jesus like a dove. And in verse 34 of John chapter 1, he says, I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. That dove coming down out of heaven, the Holy Spirit, was a confirmation from God as to who Jesus was was and by the way Luke's account says that the holy spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove that that's just a little bit tidbit of information that Matthew and Mark do not include in their account of Jesus' baptism he says that the the dove came down in bodily form this was Not a figment of John's imagination. It was not something that that others were just dreaming up in their mind. This really did happen and people saw it with their own eyes. Now keep in mind, this is just one of three miraculous signs that happened at Jesus' baptism. Not only did the Spirit of God come down in the form of a dove, but the Scripture says that the heavens were opened. And again, Mark's account is even more vivid. It says, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Interestingly, that phrase, torn open, it's the Greek word schizo, S-C-H-I-Z-O. Oh, do you recognize that word? Yeah. The base word, it means to divide, to split into factions. And we get our English word, schizophrenia, from this base word, a split personality. In this case, we're talking the heavens were split. It's it's just like you would take a piece of paper and you would rip the piece of paper in half. That's what happened with the heavens. As the Spirit of God came down out of heaven like a dove in bodily form, the Scripture says that the heavens were torn open. They were ripped apart. They were divided. And the Spirit of God came down upon Jesus. Do you think that those people went away that day with a story to tell? <laughs> they most certainly did, but that wasn't all that happened. Not only did they see these miraculous signs happened, but they heard the voice of God from heaven. Matthew 3:17 says, "And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love; with him I am well pleased." You know what's going on here? God is giving a testimony about Jesus, his son. There are some churches, and I like this tradition that they have, that when they baptize somebody, that person being baptized actually gives a testimony to those who are in the congregation. A testimony about how they came to this point of decision and and what Jesus means to them. They are giving a testimony. Well, in this case, at Jesus' baptism, it's God who's given a testimony. And God's testimony is simply this. This is my son. I am well pleased with him. I am proud of him. God was giving confirmation through the heavens being ripped open and the Spirit of God coming down like a dove and finally through his own voice that this is indeed his beloved son. And he is saying to those who are in the audience, John and the others who are on the banks of the Jordan, I'm proud of him. And John the Baptist was able to say, the next day, as people were coming to him and asking him about Jesus, and he sees Jesus and he points to him and he says, I have seen and I have heard and I believe that he is the Son of God. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the That's why Jesus was baptized, so that God could confirm to the world who he was. He was more than a man. He was more than just an up-and-coming rabbi. He was nothing less than the Son of God. Let me give to you a fourth reason why Jesus was baptized. It was his inauguration into ministry. And Luke's account makes this very clear. The very next verse after Jesus was baptized, Luke writes this, And when he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age. His baptism not only confirmed who he was, but it catapulted him into three years of ministry Here upon the earth. Now, I think there's some uh, application that we can draw from this. Baptism is not the end, as some may seem to think. Rather, it is the beginning of our ministry unto the Lord. And that's something that I think all of us need to understand better. We need to understand that for ourselves. And we need to understand that so that as we witness to people about their need for Christ and their need to be baptized, we need to communicate to them, this is not the end. This is the beginning of your journey with Jesus. This is what... Moves you into ministry. This is what brings you into a point of being faithful all the days of your life until the day that you die. That's the message that we need to communicate to people. And I think folks need to understand that better. Because how often have we baptized people into Jesus and then we don't see them anymore? They're, they're gone and we're saying, where are they? What's happened to them? I think one thing that will help us understand why this happens is next week, as we get into the next passage of Scripture in Jesus' life, do you, you remember what it is? Immediately after he was baptized, what happened? He was led into the wilderness, and he was doing battle with Satan. Satan declared war on Jesus. After he was baptized... And I think he does the same thing with you and I. As we are baptized into Jesus Christ, we have, we have surrendered our life to him. We have said yes to him. Satan is enraged over our commitment to Jesus, and he is determined to try and pull us back into his ranks. And so he will send temptation our way, and he will send all sorts of problems and troubles our way, hoping to bring us down before our faith has a chance to really get strong. And unfortunately, he has a lot of success at bringing people down. We all need to understand that baptism is not the end of our journey with Jesus. It is the beginning of our journey. And it catapults us into a faithful ministry and service unto him. Jesus had his ministry for three years before they finally took his life. And he wants the same to be true of us, that we would be faithful to him until God calls us home. No turning back. No falling away, no reneging on our commitment to him. Instead, we are holding on to him until he takes us home to be with him. We serve him with our life, we grow in our commitment, and we are faithful to him. And so what does a life of faithfulness look like? You know, that's, that's a question we all need to have an understanding of. And there's, there's a lot of things that we could say that would answer that question as we look into Scripture. There's a whole long list of things that we could say. This is what a person who is faithful does. Well, let me mention four things to you this morning, just very basic things, that if you want to live a life of faithfulness, these things need to be true of you. One, you need to connect with God. It's just that... Simple. If you want to know God, you've got to spend time with him. You've got to be filled up with him so that you can have the strength and, and his help to resist the evil one. And you can endure through the hardships of life. It will be impossible for you to go the distance with God if you don't connect with him. And certainly two ways that you connect with God that all of us connect with God is through the reading of Scripture, the digestion of God's Word into our heart and into our mind, and then time with Him in prayer. We are growing in our intimacy with Him. We are getting to know Him better. We are falling in love with Him more. You want to be faithful to God? You've got to, be, you've got to connect with Him on a regular basis in the Word and in the prayer closet. Let me give to you a second point. You want to be faithful with God? Connect with the church. Be regular in church. And for most of you here today on a, on a, on a day like the weather is today, I don't have to tell you about you need to be faithful to the Lord's church. You're, you're, you're one of those who are faithful. But we need to communicate that to others. That if we're connecting with God and we're connecting with the church, we we need to be be faithful in church. Get involved in in an ABF class. I really want to encourage you to do that. As the year is new, get involved with an ABF class. Go to a Sunday school class and learn about God's Word and you're connecting with people there. And that's what what this point is all about. Not just being in church, but it's connecting with God's people. You are identifying with others who are trying to go in the same direction that you're wanting to go. And so get involved in a Sunday school class. Join a small group on Sunday nights and and be a part of that fellowship and, and that learning that takes place in those small groups. Sharpen each other. Ladies, get involved in a Bible study group. Guys, you can ask about a Bible study group and you can come on the second Saturday of every month. We've started this men's breakfast and and we come and we eat and and we sit down with one another and we hear a a lesson taught to us from the Word of God and, and we discuss with each other. We sharpen each other. We connect with each other. We give support to one another. That's, that's what this point is all about. You know, though, if one person falls, woe is he if he doesn't have a companion to pick him up. That's what Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 says. It says two are better than one. For if either of them falls, the one will pick up his companion, but woe to the... The one who falls when there is not another to pick him up. We need each other. We pray for each other. We encourage each other. We give comfort to each other. We give support to one another. If you isolate yourself from the body of believers, it's very unlikely that you will last the whole race of faith. You'll be a casualty alongside of the road if you don't connect with other Christians. Let me get to you another point about faithfulness. You want want to be faithful? Then look for opportunities to serve and witness. These are simply ways that we are exercising our faith. We're not just hearing the Word of God, but we're actually putting it into practice. We are looking for a chance to serve. With our life, to put some hands and feet to the message that we are receiving on Sunday and what we are reading through the week. We are putting hands and feet to that message. Share your story with someone who needs to hear it. Witness and serve. We could, we could use the word love. We've talked to a lot about love, that's, that's the language of the kingdom, and, and, and love fulfills the law. Love somebody. Look for somebody that you can show the love of Jesus to. That's what faithfulness is all about. Invest in somebody else's life. And and speaking of investment, number four, you want to be faithful? Invest your money into the kingdom. Now, why would I say that? Simply because of what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You want to go the distance with Jesus? And you want your whole heart to be with Jesus? Then you have to invest your money into Jesus and his kingdom. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The Christian life is a lifelong commitment. It's not just a dip in the water and getting wet. And sometimes we treat that, that pool there like we're stepping in there and we are buying a, a, a fire insurance to keep us out of hell. That's not what our baptism is to be like. Our baptism is a commitment to Jesus Christ. We are saying yes to Him for our whole life. Anybody here today who has not been baptized? Why not decide that this is what God is calling you to? Because it's very clear in his word. Decide to give your life to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, May the word be like a sword today. For in both services, there there are people who have heard this message that need to follow through with this commitment through Christian baptism. And so help them. May the word just pierce their heart. May all excuses be laid aside. Lord for all of us who have already made this decision that we would just understand that this decision catapults us into a life of ministry can't be just sitting in our seat we've got to be getting out of our chair and we've got to be serving you with our life and and loving you more and more and so help us in Jesus name